You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your name, Locked Bucks reporter at The Athletic Wisconsin. And joining me as always is my good friend and the founder of Group.com, Frank Madden. Bringing you today's podcast is DoorDash. Long day at work, still stuck at the office. Open the DoorDash app. Choose what you want to eat and your food will be delivered to you wherever you are. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code LOCKED ON. Also brought to you by Vivid Seats. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app help you get to your favorite live event. Enter promo code KICKOFF at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. Finally, Indochino is the world's most exciting made-to-measure menswear company. This week, our listeners can get any premium Indochino suit for just $369 at Indochino.com when entering Locked On at checkout. Again, that's $369 for any premium Indochino suit at Indochino.com when entering Locked On at checkout. Frank, it has been, uh, we've gone through some more FIBA World Cup action. Uh, we are now in a position where not every player on Team USA is done playing because Team USA is in a fifth place game uh, that, that they need to play. But uh, everyone has been eliminated from metal contention. Uh, so we're going to kind of break down some of that, talk about some of the other rumors and things like that and try to roll through the news. But before we do all that, how you doing? Uh, I'm good. Uh, you know, with, with the exception of uh, that technical technicality of the, uh, I guess Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez may still play in this last game. But, um, you know, fingers crossed they survived that from a just literal physical well-being standpoint. And, um, you know, again, a uh, ultimately very disappointing World Cup for Bucks players and the countries they represent between – uh, the U.S., Greece, and Turkey. But uh, in terms of, you know, nobody, and again, knocking on wood here for Brooke and Chris, but so far everybody made it through without kind of incident in terms of major injuries. And again, I mean, from a NBA, you know, as a fan of an NBA team and the players on those teams, that's always kind of job one. And again, um, as you said, not, not exactly a uh, satisfying a World Cup for for any of the guys uh, from the Bucks, uh, you know, Chris, Brooke, Giannis, Thanasis, and Ursan. But uh, ultimately, you know, bigger bigger fish to fry in terms of uh, an NBA championship that obviously this team is going for, and um, they now have very much that to look forward to, and uh, and no no other distractions when it comes to national team stuff. So I guess let's start with Greece. Um, 
They end up playing the United States on Saturday. It wasn't an elimination game, but kind of was. Just yeah. kind of was. Obviously, uh, they had a chance to beat the Czech Republic on. I think that would have been Monday. Uh, if they would have won by 12 points, they would have advanced. They did not end up winning by that number. Um, but it, it was just a. I know the the Greek coach got asked about uh, the tough time he was given by U.S. media members for not building a system around Giannis, and he he said kind of what you'd expect to say that oh you know we don't have a full season to do this we just have a couple of weeks and and this and that and I, I mean like I get it because the Greek team just like didn't have enough shooters to like actually build a like a five out offense around Giannis that made any sense as we saw many times against team USA where they just didn't care about anyone else on that team uh so like I do kind of get it but also building a system around Giannis isn't that difficult it's pretty much telling everyone stand in these places and give him the ball in the middle of the floor not as a as a role man not as a post up guy but just as the center of your offense. And I mean, we, we didn't really ever see it. I think we, we saw it at the start of just about every game. Giannis kind of come out and, and do some of that. And then against the U S uh, I thought they used him in the post a lot more uh, and actually made an effort to get him the ball against the U S uh, more than they did in, in other games. Uh, you still thought that wasn't enough and I don't think you even thought that they did it more in that game than they did in the New Zealand game, uh, which is something that we disagree on. But I, I, it was it, it, just watching FIBA basketball is a strange exercise. So th- I think that's kind of what you come away with uh, at the end of these couple of games. Yeah, it's a different sport. I mean, it's, it's kind of the only conclusion I think you can think of. Um, you know, like, I just was looking at the leaderboards from this tournament. The leading scorers in this tournament were uh, Guna Ra from Korea. That's apparently a real human being. Averaged 23 points a game. Shout out to uh, Guna Ra for that. Um, Corey Webster from New Zealand, 23 points a game. Patty Mills, hey, an NBA player, 22 points a game. Uh, Evan Fournier. Dar Tucker, may may name may be familiar, playing for Jordan, <laughs> uh, not Jordanian native Dar Tucker, but Dar Tucker, uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, who's always been a, a great kind of international player, Chetty Osman, Dennis Schroeder, and then some really random names, and then in the eleventh spot, Luis Scola, the ageless wonder Luis Scola, followed by Milwaukee Bucks legend E. Jen Lien at number twelve, averaged eighteen points a game in this tournament. Uh, and you kind of go down the list. The leading buck score in this tournament was none other than Ursan, but all the, he only shot 36% from the field in this tournament, uh, 33% from three. He had, I think, an 0 for 9 game in Turkey's kind of surprise tournament ending loss uh, after obviously he played really well against the U.S. So he had a super kind of up and down tournament. And, you know, Giannis, you kind of look at his numbers if folks are curious. Uh, he finishes it at 25 minutes per game overall. Uh, you know, including 
the U.S. game where I think he played 27 minutes even without playing in the fourth quarter at all, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a moment. Um, I think he played 24 minutes, I believe, in the Czech Republic game before fouling out with, was it five minutes to go or so? Um, so interestingly, you know, I think our concern as, you know, kind of from like a Bucks slanted view is always, well, you know, if you're the Greek coach, you know, do you look at Giannis as, you know, a Ferrari that you have as a weekend rental and you just, you know, abuse the hell out of the thing and, you know, you just run him into the ground playing him 35 minutes, 36 minutes out of 40. Um, but, you know, interestingly, you know, obviously anybody who follows international basketball, European basketball, there is more of this penchant to kind of play, play your bench more, not kind of ride maybe your starters or star players in as many minutes kind of as what we're used to seeing. Well, perhaps not as much in the NBA now, since obviously there's more, I think, minutes management in the NBA. Um, but certainly like, I mean, the, the heydays of like when we, I think like we were growing up, even you being younger than me, but you know, even in the early 2000s, I mean, you know, Greg Popovich, now you think of him as like the DNP rest guy and whatever. I mean, Tim Duncan played like 39 minutes a game, 40 minutes a game throughout most of the early part of his career. And that was not uncommon, you know, for, for a lot of star players that they would be a little over 40 minutes. I think Ion Iverson was always over 40 minutes, you know, things like that. So, um, so again, like you kind of look at it from like a basketball fan who's rooting for Giannis, which, you know, I, I certainly was, I, I was not rooting for Giannis to get eliminated from the tournament. Just, I, I, I like the guy too much. I want to see him succeed. I'm rooting for him. Um, but interestingly, you know, obviously Greek being an, an early exeter, uh, and also Giannis not really playing that much, you know, again, from like a, just a load management perspective, certainly a positive, you know, in the grand scheme of kind of the bucks, and getting ready for, for their season and the long NBA season. But um, definitely odd and some, you know, definitely odd kind of when you think about it just from a selfish, like, Greek coaching perspective. Like, wouldn't you really try to play that guy a lot? Because you know Giannis isn't asking for tons of breaks, right? I mean, you know that from talking to him so much. Uh, this dude wants to play, you know. I mean, he always wants to be in there. He always wants to be playing more than he is. And probably that was the biggest kind of, I don't want to say maybe necessarily that they butted heads over it, but you know, if there was like a, you know, subtle friction, let's say you can characterize it better than I can. But if there was a subtle friction between Giannis and Bud last year, that was probably the obvious thing. Just Bud wanting to manage his minutes so closely and um, obviously not playing him as much, you know, even in the playoffs he played certainly a lot more, but um, you know, even against uh, Toronto, you know, never played kind of like those massive minutes loads, even when the Bucks were, were obviously looking for answers for answers. So, um, so yeah, it's just a very strange kind of, um, tournament for Giannis. He averages 14.8 points per game. Uh, let's see, 52% shooting from the field, hit two out of nine from three, um, had some pretty mediocre free throw performances at times. Um, last two games, four out of 10, but for that was actually pretty good. Finished the tournament at 71%, uh, 8.8 rebounds. Let's see. Yeah, not not that many assists. Yeah, I think he had ten assists in the last two games, but um, had some foul issues, uh, and obviously, you know, fouling out of the last game, fouled out of the Brazil game, they lost. Uh, so certainly a very frustrating tournament. But as we said, you know, it's just kind of a different sport. It doesn't have as much space. Um, there's a lot more leeway to, and I don't think there's a defensive three second, at least not in the way that um, you're correct. We see in the NBA in terms of like guys not. That guy's not being able to camp out, you know, under the basket. And, and again, teams don't, teams do often play these kind of like traditional centers that they can use. Um, 
And, uh, you know, again, I think just uh, Greece just tended to get in these sort of half court games. And when they did that, you know, Giannis got some post-ups. There was a lot of like Giannis pointlessly rolling to the rim without anyone able to get him the ball. And, you know, a little bit of him facing up, but not a lot. And um, again, I think just, you know, some of it, I think certainly was, was coaching and probably lack of imagination. Some of it was, you know, again, the selection of that team, really not a ton of, of great three point shooters on that team around him. I mean, Nicolaitis being the kind of best Greek player, probably other than Giannis. And he isn't a good shooter. You know, He's like, he's just, I think under 30%. I think he, I think I saw that he was under 30% from three in, uh, you know, in, in yeah. club play last year. So again, like just not really a good, sort of complimentary system around Giannis and um, you know ironically they they ultimately went away from him at times you know like the Brazil game he didn't really touch the ball much in the fourth quarter and then in some of these other games you know the the USA game just literally didn't even play in the fourth quarter even when Brazil or even when uh, Greece cut into the USA lead a lot and then uh, obviously in the uh, in this last game against the Czech Republic I mean he didn't even start the second half presumably because of foul trouble because he had three fouls and you know five fouls out but it's just like i i mean I, you know that's just you only weird. have one nba mvp on your team <laughs> like that, that's it yeah i don't There's know only one in the entire tournament yeah so anyway uh just yeah it's strange mike prada wrote i think a good story about how you know again it shouldn't have been shocking that Giannis wasn't like some dominant force um, but again, you know, as obviously as Giannis fans, it's, it's, you would have loved to see him do more. And, um, I think it's interesting, interesting to see, I mean, what this means for him moving forward, um, because with Greece, because again, I mean, they, they are not automatically qualified to the Olympics next year. Uh, they would have to take part in a kind of pre-Olympic qualifying tournament, which I believe would be not that long after, uh, the NBA season ends, or at least like the finals are done. I think it's like a few weeks maybe after that. I'd, ha- I'd have to double check. Um, and they didn't make it the last time they had to do that in uh, 2016. So, um, so yeah, very likely that, you know, no, no Olympics for Giannis next year. If, uh, you know, unless kind of things really begin to turn around for, for what Greece is doing. So, um, so we'll see, we'll see what this means for Giannis when the next time he plays in a major tournament for Greece. But, um, Certainly not the not, did not go the way they wanted, and you know, ironically, a couple of years ago, the Greek Federation made a big stink about Giannis. You know, supposedly the Bucks, you know, kind of faking an injury or something when they were worried about his knee, which of course, you know, we have seen his knee has been a, an issue. You know, was that it's season, a real thing? It's definitely real. Um, but you know, that they got pissed off about them sort of taking Giannis off the table, and um, ironically, now the Greek coaching staff and the Greek Greek basketball, uh, they, they have no one to blame but themselves for taking Giannis off the table for large stretches of this tournament. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just so weird to think. So you mentioned him not playing the fourth quarter against the U.S. And so eventually they needed to beat the Czech Republic by 12. Um, it's my understanding that the points that they would have accumulated against the U.S., were a part of the point total. Well, I so I I was looking into that, and I I will not claim to be an expert on this because it's very I confusing. I don't enjoy the convoluted. Yes. Yeah. I I want to. I, I think I saw something impl- saying that it was 
the point differential only mattered between the teams that would have were that were like mm, potentially right. tied. So I, I I don't think that the point differential against the U.S. actually mattered. Um, but even so, you know, again, you've got a day off between all these games. You know, it's not a it's not a sprint or sorry, it's not a marathon. This is a sprint. Yeah. <laughs> this tournament, like all like Serbia loses, the U.S. loses, all the teams that were supposed to be you know, like the, the, the favorites are, are basically gone, you know, shout out to France. I mean, they, they played really well. Um, but, uh, you know, they're keeping your powder dry is uh, <laughs> like for what, you know, I mean, so I, it, it's just kind of bizarre. Like, like you're like, you, you're not going to take at least a shot with Giannis. I mean, it just seems like from an upside downside, like, like what, you know, like you're, you're just going to be called way more into question giving Giannis an extra six, seven minutes of rest in a game today versus, you know, for, for a game two days from now, um, then if you just play your goddamn best player, who's an MVP of the NBA and, you know, if you lose, you lose. Right. But instead you lost to the U S and somehow you still came out looking like an idiot, which is pretty hard to do. Yeah. Uh, it, it was honestly, so again, whether or not it actually count the tiebreaker, just a strange thing knowing how much that meant to Giannis, like knowing how much he wanted to go up against that U.S. team to be like, eh, we're not going to let you play in the fourth quarter. And then the next game, deciding that three fouls was too dangerous uh, for him to to be a part of the starting lineup to start the second half against the Czech Republic when you need to win by a certain number of points is, again, mind-blowing. Like, it just it, – it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And – it's just so strange to think through this entire tournament because I remember at the start of the tournament, you know, we talked about Nick Lathis probably being like the next best player. And I remember just seeing people like talk about, Oh, Clathis is actually like a really good passer. And I gotta say, I saw him run a lot of pick and rolls with Giannis. Did he throw a lob to Giannis? Outside of the sideline out of bounds that he threw three seconds late. The one that like, didn't work? I don't, I don't think I saw him deliver a pass in the pick and roll to Giannis. Like, the only guy that did was their backup point guard, Slukas, which, like, he actually threw a couple nice passes. He had a nice alley-oop to Thanasis. Uh, he had some pocket pass. Like, that guy could actually uh, seemingly run an alley-oop with Giannis and run a pick and roll with Giannis and find a way to make his middle rim run actually dangerous and every time i saw Claythis with the ball it was just like uh a defender's close to me can't throw it to Giannis. i'm gonna kick it over here so it essentially just became a, a worthless play as you so eloquently put it where it's just like it doesn't make any sense to to even to even run this so uh yeah i mean it was it, it it's just a it's a it's a different sport like it it is totally different and the only thing though that isn't different is that despite FIBA officials allowing a whole lot more contact there is one universal truth no matter how much contact anyone is allowed Giannis is not allowed the same amount of contact like he he yeah, he, the foul, he, he doesn't get that like he doesn't get that same thing uh, he doesn't get those same calls. Like people just have no idea how to even attempt to officiate him. The fifth foul that he got against Czech Republic, 
I don't know if that's the worst call that's ever gone against him, but if you're compiling a top five of worst calls I've ever seen against Giannis, it's got to be there. Like To follow him out on that, on a play that was very clearly defender backpedaling, defender not in position, like de- defender. Yeah, like he was like sideways. Like yeah. Not even close. Not even close to in position. In a competition where you can legitimately hand out a technical for flopping, which he had to do to fall over in that way. They, one, didn't hand out a technical for flopping. Two, rewarded it. And three, fouled out the best player in the tournament. Like, I, it's staggering. It's staggering how bad of a call that was without any of the context. And then when you add all the context, it's somehow even worse. Like, it, I cannot believe just how bad it was. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this wasn't the tournament you were expecting for Giannis. I mean, then the one positive of that final game was the Nassis looked really good. Like he, he legitimately totally changed the game coming on in the third quarter with his hustle. Uh, and he hit a three. Like he, he very quickly kind of changed the game, which again, is that something he's going to do every night in the NBA? No. Will he ever actually like get that chance? No. But if that is as hard as he will work, and like if that is the effort that he gives, like it makes it a lot easier to have that guy on the team. And that's kind of what I've said throughout all of this is that all right, like you can have some resentment for uh, someone's family member or someone's friend if they're on the team and don't really give a shit and are just cashing the paycheck because essentially this other person got them that paycheck. Like I think we can say pretty commonly that that will not be Thanasis. Like he will try, like he will give effort and he will pretty much work his butt off. Like that, that is, is a good thing. Um, despite the likelihood that most nights, he's not ever going to get a chance to do that in a game. He would not even dress for games, but at least if you can feel good about that in practice, that's a good thing. Um, anything else with, with the Greek national team? Uh, I think we covered the idea that Giannis was just like not coached well, not officiated well, not really put into a position to succeed. We talked a little bit about the Nassus. Anything else you're thinking about? Uh, I mean, I think the only other thing that kind of drew headlines was the Nassus getting that, that foul that, that then caused, uh, you know, it seemed like the, the reason for some of the post game smoke between, Giannis and the various Celtics uh, on Team USA. So um, I'm sure many of you guys saw it or heard about it, but basically late in the USA game, uh, Harrison Barnes gets a, a breakaway. And as Adetokounmpo's are wont to do, Thanasis basically goes for a chase down block. Um, looks like he, he he obviously makes a play on the ball and looks like with his right arm as he's like swiping, doesn't get the ball. And I think I think his like forearm may have hit the back of Barnes's head or shoulder kind of area. And, and obviously, when in any situation like that, it's dangerous, right? Because you make any type of contact, as you know, Bucks fans know, you know, rest in peace, Andrew Bogut's elbow. Um, it's dangerous, right? And so Barnes, Barnes landed. I mean, you know, he, he landed, but then he was off balance, and you know, ends up kind of tumbling a bit um, behind. I mean, you couldn't really see exactly how how he went down after behind the basket, but um, you know, dangerous play. Ultimately, it was ruled a common foul. Um, but, you know, obviously, especially late in the game when the game is out of reach, um, not surprisingly, yeah, the USA players were, were pissed about it. And 
you know, not surprisingly, Giannis probably wasn't interested in, you know, his brother taking shit from Celtics because there's history <laughs> there too. So um, I don't know. I'd say much ado about nothing. Um, you know, Harrison Barnes was fine. So that was good. Um, Thanasis is, uh, we'll see if we see some of that recklessness in the NBA. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, that was probably the only other headline grabbing thing in a, in a tournament that, uh, you know, was definitely lacking in, in sort of positive headlines for Greece. Yeah. And again, like I, I don't know if Thanasis plays enough for that to actually be a problem, but like if that was an NBA game, uh, there's probably a fight that's going to happen because of that. Like whether or not it's, it's warranted. Like, I think you're, you're probably gonna, you're gonna have some technicals, maybe an ejection or two. Um, if, if that happens in an NBA game. So, uh, hustle is good. Uh, hustle that endangers others. makes for danger, dangerous plays. Maybe not the best. Uh, but I think there may have been a little gray area there of whether or not it was actually dirty. I mean, he was pretty close to the basket. Like I, there the one angle I thought like, it's like, oh, he actually almost had the ball. Um, but yeah, dangerous play. Watch yourself. That will make people want to fight you. Um, something that won't make people want to fight you is the deal you can get at Indochino. It's the world's most exciting made-to-measure men's wear company. This week, our listeners can get any premium Indochino suit for just $369 at Indochino.com when entering locked on at checkout. Again, that's locked on at checkout. And today's episode is also brought to you by Peloton. Can't find a workout that keeps you engaged. Peloton is an immersive cardio experience with real-time features that will always keep you coming back. Get $100 off accessories when you purchase the Peloton bike and get a great cardio workout at home. Go to onepeloton.com and use promo code LOCKED to get started. All right, let's move on to the rest of the the folks that participated in the FIBA World Cup. Uh, let's go to Ursan next. I wrote about it at The Athletic when I wrote about Giannis and kind of how this is a different world. Um, included in that world is Turkey running their offense in at many different points through Ursan Ilyasova. Uh, that means late game pick and roll ball handling situations. That means uh, sets with down screens and curl screens and double screens for, for Ursan to get them open. Uh, that means classic Ursan taps. Um, that means just about everything. He was all over the place. Uh, and then ultimately it means getting su- surprisingly getting upset by a Czech Republic team that, most people had thought were not as good as Turkey in many ways, because Ursan went over nine. Like he, <laughs> he didn't like, he didn't make a shot. Like the guy that they were really counted on for offense uh, throughout that tournament didn't make a shot. So that is the world of FIBA basketball. Uh, anything you have to say about Ursan? I know we talked last episode about how this isn't a new phenomenon necessarily uh, that we've seen this before from him in international competition. I have nothing to add for Ursan. I did not watch any of these games. I don't think this changes anything about what Ursan will be for the Bucks this year. And again, 
as long as he got through the the tournament healthy and uh you know in one piece that that was all the that was basically the box the only box i had to check on on my ursan aliasova checklist all right uh team usa really uh, so team usa loses this morning um or i guess wednesday morning because you'll be listening to this on thursday uh so they they lose to France, and before the game, uh, the day before, Brian Winarsh had written this, written this story about like, oh, you know, maybe this is time for Brooke Lopez to make a splash in the regular season uh, against the Jazz. Like he had helped kind of pull him away from the basket one game, and then another game they just decided to put Gobert on Yon, like all this stuff that you know maybe this would be a way that uh, the U.S. could neutralize Gobert despite Lopez not playing the last game. And he comes in in the second quarter, takes three threes, misses all of them, plays five minutes, and then Pop is done with him and largely done with the centers for the entire game. Goes small. Middleton is one of the bigs. We'll talk about that in a second. But I just thought, again, I've mentioned this throughout for it not making sense for Brooke Lopez, but – I mean, I just think when you watch this U.S. team get eliminated, I don't totally understand. And I shouldn't say totally understand because I don't understand at all. I don't understand at all why Greg Popovich insisted on trying to play international basketball (laughs) when he had NBA players. Like, I understand that it is in vogue and uh, it's kind of how – the, the game is played at the international level that you're going to put a big at the top of the key and then they're going to run dribble handoffs and pass off of that. And like, I get that that's how other teams are doing it. Jokic, good example. Andrew Bogut, another great example. Like I get that's how other teams do it, but you have Brooke Lopez, who's literally a historic seven foot three point shooter. You have Miles Turner, who is not much of a passer, not much of a ball handler. Essentially, he'd been used as a pick-and-pop big or offensively kind of as like a, a pick-and-roll role man. And then you have, you have Mason Plumley, who is a role man and can pass a little yeah, bit. Yeah, he's, like, he's probably the best passer out of that group. <laughs> but like, the passes that he makes are – when he catches the ball on the roll and he's got an odd management advantage where it's, he's working four on three, he's able to catch on the roll, kick to a corner. Like that's, that's how he passes. Like that, there isn't, there isn't an offense that was really ever ran through him. And yet the U S tried to run all of their offense through those bigs. And it doesn't make a damn bit of sense. Like why? Uh, and I understand, like, obviously I asked Pop a question about Brooke Lopez shooting threes in in Australia when I was there. And, you know, he's talking about, how, oh, you know, maybe that's you, – you mentioned how far the game has come with big men shooting threes, but is, that suggests that it's a good thing. Maybe maybe it's not a good thing that we have all these big guys shooting threes. And it's like, all right, Pop, I get your, your anti-three prop propaganda. I've heard it in person multiple times at this <laughs> point. Like, I get it. But you selected a team – that has those guys like aside from Mason Plumley, like Miles Turner should be shooting threes. Brooke Lopez should be, should be shooting threes and they should not have their backs to the basket. And somehow they built that team. And 
like then your other great uh, like your other good offensive weapons, Kemba Walker, pick and roll guy, Donovan Mitchell, pick and roll guy. Why the fuck are you trying to play through the post at the top of the key when your team does not fit that in any way? I don't know. I mean, this is um, you know, Pop taking over. I mean, you know, again, in theory, Pop taking over kind of the the head coaching gig from Coach K. I mean, it's kind of like, well, that makes all the sense in the world, right? Like, can you think of a better, you know, person than Pop? You know, culturally, whatever. But um, you know, again, this is uh, one of the problems with Team USA is that you know they just throw together these teams as sort of one-offs and there's not a lot of continuity from uh, team to team as far as players go. And even in this case, you know, from a coaching staff, obviously you have different coaching staff than, than the last time, you know, the last major tournament mm-hmm. as well. So I, I don't know. I mean, again, pop. Especially- so why try to teach them a t- an entirely new form of basketball? <laughs> have them play the way that they play. Like, yeah. Oh, I, I don't know. It's weird. I mean, but that's the irony, right? I mean, Pop's like whole I don't really like three pointers thing. Um I mean, he's been saying that for years, right? Uh there are, you know, and and the Spurs offensively have in, have basically succeeded in spite of the fact that their shot charts have sucked, right? Or that they've mm-hmm. been fairly regressive, you know, with with Aldridge and especially now adding DeRozan, like they were very not progressive when you think about like you know, compare them to a team like the Bucks or Rockets, obviously. And again, like that has in part worked largely, you know, when you look at just some of the personnel they have. Um, but again, like is pop like some, I, I don't know, like offensively, like, I mean, you know, I think you'll still see, you know, great play calls and, and chalkboard stuff that the Spurs run from time to time. But I don't know. Like, I mean, if you're telling me like who's going to build like an innovative offense that's going to get the most out of its players, I don't know. I don't know. Is Pop still that guy? I mean, I think of him more as like a defensive coach at this point, um, because again, I think just especially the three point stuff is I don't know, just not super progressive. But anyway, so it is what it is. You know, I mean, uh, Greg Popovich shouldn't be the reason you don't win a World Cup with the NBA, but I think. I think the bigger problem is that just playing a you know again I'm 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 being somewhat hyperbolic saying it's a different sport but playing a, 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 a you know a version of basketball that is obviously different it's it's officiated differently uh, some of the subtleties of the rules are obviously different that flat you know that flattens the playing field somewhat and then the fact that I mean it's not obviously single elimination the entire time but um you know, there's not a lot of margin for error. It's grease found out. And then, you know, once you get to the quarters, you know, you lose, you go home. There's, there's no five game series or seven game series uh, that you can kind of rely on to smooth out, you know, some of the random things that happen. So uh, whether you're the U S or Serbia or Greece or whatever, you know, if shit happens, then you're, you can be done. And so uh, I don't know. It's kind of interesting. I, I don't, I don't know what your sense was. I mean, I, I, I was at work this morning and saw the U.S. loss, and I was like, huh, and just sort of went about my day. Um, I mean, I <laughs> I have not felt very vested in this version of Team USA. 
uh, even with two bucks on it, which is kind of weird because, you know, I mean, it's not like a, usually I like just root for whoever, you know, has the, the best bucks player or whoever has my favorite bucks player, which obviously in recent years has been Greece. Before that, when Bill goes around, I always rooted for Australia. Um, but, you know, this bucks team had a couple of bucks who are, I really like a lot, but I, I don't know, just kind of like, whatever, you know, this wasn't surprising. And um, I don't know. It's kind of interesting. Like I'm, I'm kind of curious. Uh, I'm kind of curious. Like, do you feel like we have re like, is, is it now like sort of the new normal that like these tournaments are going to become crapshoots? Um, like, do you think the Olympics we're going to see, you know, the players because of the heightened importance of the Olympics, like players will turn back out for those in terms of the top level players. And so, you know, it will become more of a, yeah, the U S will continue to kind of be dominant or, um, is this now a thing where it's like, yeah, sometimes the U S is going to win and a lot of times they won't. And, you know, it's just going to be kind of a, a bit of a crapshoot. I think the, so if you'd want to commit to playing in both the world cup and the Olympics, you're giving away the summer before a season, then you're going to play in an 82 game season. If you're hopeful of winning an NBA title, you're going to play until June and then you're going to hop right back into the Olympics or at least training for the Olympics probably a month later, like that, I, I that's too much for any one player. Like that, that I just don't think it's realistic to expect a twelve-month cycle like that, where you give away back-to-back summers. And again, I shouldn't say give away. Like obviously, these these men are going to be very proud of playing for their country, but uh, I mean that's kind of the reality of the situation that you'd have to do that. So I don't think I, I think this is going to be regular in world cups. Like if, if this was FIBA's goal, like to not have the U S win world cups as well, I think they may have succeeded. Cause I think this will level, level the playing field just about every, every four years. Like it, when we do this again in uh, 2023 before the 2024 Olympics, I, I think the same thing will happen because no one is going to, the very top guys that want to represent the team in the Olympics for a gold medal uh, will not be around in the summer beforehand. So it's going to be the same thing. So I think this is regular for for World Cups going forward, unless they decide to change the years again. Um, but as long as the World Cup is a year before the Olympics, I, I think this is this is probably the new normal for World Cup basketball. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, I was just looking up, like, why why are they having – the kind of nominally two biggest basketball tournaments when they're on four-year cycles have them in consecutive years right because then you've got two years where there's no um you know basically no world uh world title right they'll have the yeah. euro basket and all the other stuff but um but i i couldn't figure that out and then um i was just looking it up and apparently they didn't want to have or they previously it always overlapped with uh the soccer world cup and apparently they wanted to break that cycle i guess um or at least that's one of the reasons i'm seeing here so i don't know i mean it's in different parts of times of the summer right it's not like they would have been happening at the same time the world cups generally you know june to early july uh, and these are later in the summer but yeah i don't know it's strange it does seem to have potentially some adverse uh impacts on uh you know it's just as far as what you're describing guys who obviously all these guys are professional basketball players, even if they're not in the NBA. So having to have two potentially uh, elongated summers in a row is obviously probably not convenient for anybody. Um, it, 
I guess does let you maybe build a little more continuity. Um, if if for for like a normal quote unquote normal country that doesn't have as much sort of turnover from uh, from year to year as the USA does. Um, but again, I mean that's that's kind of interesting. It's worth pointing out too. I mean, you know, even the 2008, 2012, 2016, uh, you know. NBA team or NBA fielded sort of gold medal teams, you know, those, those dream teams. I mean, they, they, I think all those teams pretty much had at least one game where they were actually tested pretty well. You know, it's not like, I mean, I remember I'm old enough that I was, you know, uh, 11 when the, the 92 dream team played in, in the NBA, in the, in the first Olympics in Barcelona. And, you know, I mean, those games were all laughers, right? Like none of those games were close. Um, but now even when, you know, the 2008 team, I mean, that team was just loaded with, with superstars. I mean, that team was challenged. I mean, they, they didn't cakewalk the entire way. I think it was Spain. I think that, you know, gave them actually a, a good battle um, in, in their game. So, yeah, it's, I mean, I think it's a good thing for, I'd say, the state of basketball in the world that, you know, the U.S. isn't just an easy, you know, cakewalk gold medal winner in every tournament. Um but I think the flip side is some of it's for maybe not good reasons as well, right? For because of tournament timing and uh, you know some of the rules stuff too, like the way the game's officiated. Uh, I saw a couple tweets, you know, people saying if you if you want to complain about NBA referees, just watch literally any other uh, you know league or uh, tournament of basketball outside of the NBA, and you'll appreciate NBA refs more um, because certainly we saw that, especially through through the Giannis lens that officiating left a lot to be desired. And again, um, just subtle differences can, can make a big difference. And again, when it's a, a short format tournament, uh, a lot of things can happen. So I guess the only other thing I'd say with team USA is I guess I'm going to rag on pop some more, but whatever, I already started. <laughs> um, I, I thought watching the game, the Chris Middleton was a plus 14 when he left the game. Uh, three minutes into the fourth quarter, I believe it was. He was a part of the unit where they had gone small, brought Team USA all the way back, and then even put them up, I think, five when he left the game. And Pop abandoned that lineup until two minutes left with the U.S. down four, I believe, at the time. And like I just kept finding myself wondering, like, what are you doing? You had you had a lineup that worked, and it's not like any of these guys are getting overworked in this tournament. Like that that isn't how it's gone. And it in my head it was just like you had a lineup that was working. Like why not let them play it out instead of running back with this other lineup that really hasn't worked the whole game. Like that France team has a bunch of size. Kemba Walker didn't really have a natural matchup defensively, and was also terrible offensively and it it was to me it was just such a strange decision to go back to that so i mean like if there is a positive to be had about it and i know a bunch of bucks fans were like well chris middleton didn't score it's like well no one on team usa scored like that if you play 15 minutes a night like it's gonna be pretty hard to to put up big numbers but i mean like i thought in you know, after some initial struggles, I think in Australia, Kristen looked really good. Uh, first game of the tournament, Kristen looked good. But I thought after that, like, I thought 
Team USA tended to look at its best when Chris was on the floor. And again, whether that, whether or not that meant he was the one scoring the points, like when Middleton was on the floor, I thought Team USA looked better. And a lot of time that meant they were going small um, with him as one of their bigs. But I just generally thought they looked good with him on the floor. And obviously there's complicating factors. Maybe that was some of the other people that he was on the floor with. But um, I thought by the end of the tournament, it was like, all right, I think Chris played pretty good. Like he didn't shoot the ball uh, all that well. Um, not well, no one on Team USA shot the ball well, um, but I thought all the other stuff it was like okay. Like I can see why Chris is useful, and I think overall, like I don't. To me, there's not a, a ton he has to be uh, embarrassed about or ashamed of in his his World Cup performance. Yeah, he played. Uh... Uh, just shy of 19 minutes per game. Um, so I mean, if you want to think about this in like a per 36 basis um, to kind of normalize it a little bit for the minutes um, per 36 around 16 points, nine rebounds, four assists a game, something like that. Uh, but as you said, didn't shoot the ball great uh, from the field, uh, 38% overall, 32% from three. Um, obviously, you know, uh, the highlights, you know, Turkey, 15 points, um, hitting the, the couple of free throws that, that, you know, essentially were the game winning free throws, uh, Japan, the next game, six rebounds, six assists, nine, nine points in 22 minutes. Um, but you know, again, I had ups and downs and I think it's a good point though. I mean, he looked really rough in some of the exhibition games earlier, uh, in, in the month. And so, uh, you know, again, Chris, especially with his importance to the Bucks team, uh, and uh, you know, again with that huge contract he just signed, hey, if he just gets himself into shape and you know gets in reps, get him ready for training camp without wearing him out, without uh, you know getting him dinged up or anything like that, fine, you know, call it a victory. So uh, again, knocking on wood for potentially him playing in this fifth place game. Um, you know, again, not a great tournament, but whatever. It was fine. Could they have made better use of him? Eh, probably, you know. Um, I think Middleton's one of those interesting players who I think, um, again, he's 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 tough to value because he uh, just doesn't kind of have any, like, glaring weaknesses. You know, like when you think about uh, defensive versatility, playmaking, obviously shooting, um, you know, again, like, getting to the rim and finishing athletically is obviously something he doesn't do, but in terms of kind of everything else he does, like, you know, he can just do a little bit of everything. Um, and, uh, again, on a team like this where, you know, you're kind of just filling gaps and, um, a lot of different guys kind of playing together and whatever, I think that can be obviously very valuable because you, you know, he can kind of do just a little bit of everything, but, um, you know, again, ultimately could they maybe used him better, more, whatever, probably. But, um, you know, you could say that probably about a lot of guys on this team and probably a lot of guys felt like they weren't necessarily put in the best positions to succeed. Yeah, I, that, that was as you were saying that, I was just like, yeah, I think almost the entirety of the team would feel that yeah. way. Maybe Kemba Walker wouldn't, but even he might think that they should have been more pick and roll based. Same thing. Maybe Donovan Mitchell didn't feel that way. Um, so, yeah, I don't think there's really anyone on TSA that was – probably all that happy with with how they were used throughout that tournament um all right let's see uh we mentioned one other thing um throughout the summer there's been a number of workouts rumored for the milwaukee bucks um 
we never discussed any of them on the podcast because, well, the Bucks have a, a full roster at the moment. And on top of that, the players being discussed are bad. <laughs> uh, do, is there anything – we're talking about Hashim to be Joe Johnson. Is, is there anything you, you want to add to any of that? I feel like that pretty much sums up why we haven't discussed those rumors. Yeah, first off, let me give a shout-out to uh, all my followers on Twitter because nobody's actually bothered to ask me about, you know, hey – uh, is is Joe Johnson going to be on the Bucks next season? Is does can Shim the Beat maybe be a good useful camp body or whatever? Um, yeah, I mean I'd say the Beat in particular. I, again, I, I don't know exactly what the origin of you know whatever. I mean, uh, this time of year it's a lot of just agents getting favors from people in front offices and whatever. Uh, I don't know if you know Hashim the Beat got stranded at the the Greyhound station in Milwaukee and needed a place to hang out or something like that. Whatever. Okay. That, that was a little harsh, but, uh, but anyway, whatever, you know, like, uh, yeah, as you said, the Bucks don't have an open roster spot. Um, as much as I am not bullish on Dragon vendors, long-term prospects in Milwaukee, um, I'd still be somewhat surprised if he's, he's, uh, he, you know, gets dropped for, another kind of random guy. Um, now, if there's like a major... His long-term prospects might be better than someone 17 years older than him. Someone 17 years old. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so I don't know. We'll see. Um, but yeah, him and you know Joe Johnson, it, it's interesting. It's, I, I forget. It, it wasn't in context of the Bucks, but um, some, I, someone, there's some tweet that somebody like retweeted and kind of criticized, which I thought was funny. was someone was like, oh, Joe Johnson's going to be running like a second, you know, going to be like, the focal point of a, of a second second unit offense somewhere by by spring or something like that. And it's just like, you know, Joe Johnson wasn't good two years ago when he was in the NBA. Like, I mean, he's he's tailed off pretty pretty notably. I mean, which makes sense. He's he's in his late thirties, right? I mean, that's that's fine. You know, I'm I'm in my late thirties. Like, I don't I don't think I got much left in the tank either. People, it's it's fine. It happens. Um, and you know. And- if you wanted someone to run a second unit and you wanted an old guy to do it, Jamal Crawford was literally in the league last year. Like he, he's totally he, people who think Joe Johnson can, should still be like getting, you know, shots are the exact same people who think Jamal who are, are like incredulous that Jamal Crawford isn't on a roster yet. Like it's the same stuff. It's just like, whatever the big three, but still like if, if you wanted an old washed guy to do that, like, there was one that was in the league last year that wasn't sitting up. That's right. And uh, all these guys, yes, they can. I'm sure Joe Johnson could go in and probably still get you some games and get you some buckets here and there. But, um, you know, again, I, I just don't don't think it's really worth bothering at this point for lack of a, for lack of a better term. I, I let's just say this. We've talked about the Bucks shooting guard position being their weakness. I do not think 6'8", 30-whatever-year-old uh, Joe Johnson – uh, is is the answer as as much as uh you know shout out to him for um, making some shots in a the big three which is a I remind you a half court league for basically washed up former NBA players um I'm you know hey he's the MVP of that league so he's done everything he can but you know again I'm not uh, I'm not gonna say that that's uh, grounds to to be optimistic or bullish about his uh his NBA chances so anyway. Um, 
that's pretty much it. Uh, the only other thing you should mention, uh, you had a, a story today you posted. Uh, Zora Stevenson was just named the new Bucks digital reporter slash Fox Sports Wisconsin reporter. So welcome to Milwaukee for Zora Stevenson. And uh, she's actually a baller. She's a hooper. Uh, and uh, she is. I, I enjoyed your uh, your interview with her today. She played college basketball, was a, uh, a very good shooter back uh, back when she was playing college basketball what elon i think is, is that is that, that is correct that, yeah can, 40 uh, a 40 percent three-point shooter wow. for her career so wow. she can she can she can shoot it which is kind of disappointing because i've been the best shooter on the bucks beat for a while wow. and i think she that's she probably right. has me yeah uh so so it's not it's not great for me and my very fragile ego um but that's okay uh, and yeah, I, I mean, I think she's, she's gonna be great. It's, it's really interesting to, uh, I, you know, like I kind of asked her the question that, you know, like no matter how knowledgeable any woman is about sports, like there will be some men on Twitter that are going to say they're not qualified, right? Like it doesn't matter what sport they're talking about. And like, you know, like I kind of asked her that question and I thought it was really interesting. She was just like, I, I asked, like, how do you deal with that? And she's like, well, you know, it, it's pretty much just like, well, this is what athletes go through, right? Where it's like, oh, can you play at this level? Can you do this thing? And the only way to prove it is to, like, actually do it. So she's like, I'm more than happy to show them, show them my game and show them how I perform. And, you know, as long as you – welcome me with open arms and give me a chance once i'm on the broadcast i will show you why i deserve to be here and like i i thought that was it was kind of a badass response where it's just like all right like you want to you want to doubt me you want to question me like i will show you why so um i i look forward to uh obviously working with her throughout the year and uh getting to know her a little bit better and uh i think she'll she'll bring some some great things to bucks fans also i asked her very quickly what her favorite player who her favorite player was uh and she said ray allen so that should really help her out with bucks fans that ray allen was her was her favorite player of all time so uh good stuff there all right that's gonna be it for us for today for frank men i'm eric name this has been lockdown bucks we'll talk to you guys later